Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. about to begin chapter 32 which in the Hebrew 32 is Lamed Bez Lev the heart so Hasidim say this is the heart of Tanya this discusses a theme which really goes straight to the heart of the Hasidic philosophy the Hasidic movement the idea of love your fellow Jew like yourself, which is really the name, the second name of the Chabad movement, Lubavitch, which literally, because beginning with the second generation, the son of the Alter Rebbe, Lubavitch, the city of Lubavitch in Russia, became the capital of the Chabad movement. Four of the Rebbe's flourished here for 150 years. This was the capital Lubavitch of the Chabad movement. And Lubavitch literally in Russia means, from the word Luba, city of brotherly love. Because this is the central, the heart of, of a chassid, of the Hasidic philosophy, the idea, the centrality of love your fellow Jew like yourself. In the original manuscript of the Alter Rebbe, this chapter didn't even, wasn't, in, wasn't there. Chapter 31, the theme of chapter 31 continued in chapter 30, what's now chapter 33. Because if you, if you took out this whole chapter, chapter 31 and chapter 33 continue seamlessly. It talks about the joy of the soul. This is almost like a, a parenthesis. It was inserted here. Later on, but this is really by divine providence. This is the thirty-second chapter. This is the lay of the heart of the uh, of the Tanya, which is traditionally the Bible of Hasidism, the written Torah of Hasidism, and this is the central theme and the very essence, the core and essence of the Hasidic movement: the idea of loving your fellow Jew like yourself, which is the very heart and of, of Judaism. Love your fellow Jew like yourself. As we find, the Torah ends with a lamid, le'ene kol Yisrael, and it begins with a bez, which is lev, the heart. And how does the Torah end, le'ene kol Yisrael? So Rashi says that this is referring to the fact that Moshe broke the tablets. And Hashem thanked him, thanked Moshe for breaking the tablets. Because by breaking the tablets, although he broke the Torah, but he saved the Jewish people. It was Moshe's sacrifice for the Jewish people that he said, erase my name from the Torah. If you're going to wipe out the Jewish people, erase my name from the, from the Torah. And the fact that he broke the tablets, that actually saved the Jewish people. So he sacrificed his place in the Torah for the sake of the Jewish people, the ultimate expression of Avat Yisrael, the ultimate expression of love your fellow Jew like yourself. And he gave up, he was ready to give up his soul. Therefore, that was the ultimate expression, the heart, the very heart of the entire Torah. 
as they asked, they want to ask the Alter Rebbe, which is greater, love your fellow Jew like yourself, or love Hashem? There are two mitzvahs in the Torah. There's a mitzvah to love Hashem, there's a mitzvah to love your fellow Jew. Which one is greater? He answered, love your fellow Jew like yourself. Why? Because you love the one who Hashem loves. And when you love your fellow Jew, you're loving the Jew within the Jew. When you love your fellow Jew like yourself, you're loving the godly spark in, in, inside of them. So, when a person claims he loves Hashem, either he does or he doesn't. <laughs> a person could delude himself. A person could imagine that he loves Hashem, but really he doesn't. But when a person loves his fellow Jew, genuinely loves his fellow Jew like himself, that, that's genuine. That's authentic. That's selfless. When you focus on your own spiritual growth, and you have no time to help your fellow Jew because you're so busy focusing and concentrating on your own spiritual growth, either your spiritual growth is genuine or it isn't. But when you f- forget about yourself and you help another person, that's 100% authentic. That's genuine. So that's why the Zohar says that the Jew and the Torah and God are all one in that order. First, the person has to start with loving your fellow Jew like yourself. When you love your fellow Jew like yourself, that will lead you to loving the Torah, which will lead you to loving Hashem, inevitably. But the reverse doesn't work. If a person starts with loving Hashem, he may never end up with loving your fellow Jew, which tells us that his love of Hashem is completely and utterly delusional. He doesn't love Hashem, he loves himself. When do you know that you truly love Hashem? If you can love those who Hashem loves. Hashem loves every Jew. So if you truly love Hashem, and your heart is on fire with love for Hashem, but you have no love in your heart for a fellow Jew, that means ultimately you don't love Hashem. So they ask, which was greater, which comes first? To love your fellow Jew like yourself comes first. Which will lead you, inevitably. Which will lead you to love of Torah. Which will lead you to love of Hashem. That those Jews who, due to no fault of their own, were never exposed to Torah. But they have a love of their fellow Jew, a genuine love of their fellow Jew. So they're in touch with something very divine, very godly. And inevitably, they will come also to love the Torah and to lead a Jewish life. And inevitably, they will come to love Hashem. That's the pathway, the gateway to everything. So this is the very heart of the entire Torah. This is the very heart of Yiddishkeit. As Hillel said, as we're going to learn in this chapter, this is the entire Torah and the rest is commentary. Of the entire Torah. Not only the mitzvah between man and man, even the mitzvah between man and God. Don't do unto others and you don't want to do to yourself. This is the entire Torah. This is the gateway to the entire Torah. On one leg, on one foot. This is the very heart of Yiddishkeit, and this is the very heart of the Hasidic approach, which is based and founded on an unconditional love for each and every Yid. So, he begins. In the previous chapter, the Alter Rebbe taught that when one is bitterly remorseful over his sorry spiritual state, 
he must strive for joy by considering the following. True, on account of his body and his animal soul, he is utterly remote from godliness. Yet he has within him a divine soul, veritably a part of God. This soul, in exile within the body and the animal soul, is to be greatly pitied. One should therefore strive constantly to release it from this exile and to return it to its divine source, through engaging in the Torah and the mitzvot. Such a return will bring one great joy, the joy of freedom. The knowledge that the body and the animal soul remain in their unfortunate state should not disturb one's joy on account of his divine soul, for the soul should be infinitely more precious in one's eyes. Acting on the advice mentioned above, to view one's body with scorn and contempt and to find joy in the joy of the soul alone is a direct and easy path toward fulfilling the mitzvah, you shall love your fellow as yourself, with regard to every Jew, both great and small, in spiritual stature. He said in the last three chapters, 29, 30, 31, he was explaining how a person deals with Apathy. How do you overcome apathy? How do you overcome when you lose interest, you lose your appetite, you lose interest in spirituality, you lose your appetite, you lose your hunger? How do you deal with it? And he explained that the root is arrogance. When a person becomes so self-absorbed and so taken by himself and becomes so precious in his own eyes and becomes so arrogant, and therefore that kills any that um, clogs the heart, and that kills your appetite for, spirit, for spirituality. So what's the antidote? The antidote is, it's time to deflate your ego. It's time to assess yourself honestly, do a little soul-searching. And he started describing how when a person starts dwelling and how ugly and disgusting, grotesque, spiritually grotesque we are when a person is so complacent when a person is so smug and content with themselves and satisfied with themselves how spiritually ugly and ugly and grotesque they become and the fact that man in general is is at that great length as he explains that man in general we're the lowest of all the creatures because we have we're the only ones who have such ugly self-destructive tendencies within us and you go on and on, and he went at a great length when a person really becomes disgusted with himself. And that breaks your heart. When that breaks your heart, that you regain your appetite, you regain your spiritual appetite. That opens you up. Then you become hungry again. Then you become humane again. Then you become human again. Then you become very in touch with your soul. In chapter 29, 30, 31, the Rebbe gives us food for thought, meditations, on realizing how how low and despicable we are, and therefore instead of being smug and content and and complacent and satisfied with yourself, you become, you you grow hungry again to grow spirituality. You You realize your situation honestly, especially when you assess yourself in relation to other people. You realize how, how small you are and significant you are and how if you really assess yourself honestly and when you become disgusted, with your arrogance, with your puniness, with your insignificance, with your, your inflationary, um, exaggerated sense of self, 
unhealthy sense of self, unhealthy ego. And you become simply disgusted with the lies and the distortions and the completely dishonest sense of self, uh, assessment of oneself. And that leads you to be disgusted with yourself. That leads you also to a tremendous joy. Why does it lead you to a tremendous joy? As he explained at the end of the previous chapter, because when you realize your situation, when you realize how low you are from a really an honest point of view, then you realize the joy of the soul. The fact that you have the ability to redeem your soul, the fact you have the ability to um, release your soul from, and by studying Torah and doing mitzvot, you have the ability to reconnect your soul, to return the soul back home, to reconnect it. You can release the, the, the soul from its concentration camp, you can release the soul from its torture, from its painful situation. By when your soul studies Torah and does a mitzvah, the soul is free, the soul is at home, the soul feels, feels great. And if you have the opportunity, to, do, to, to return the soul, which is the deeper meaning of doing teshuva, through Torah and mitzvot, what a joy. Imagine the joy of releasing and redeeming if the prince was in a concentration camp and you were able to redeem it for an hour a day and bring it back to the palace. Imagine the joy. Not only the joy of the king, the father, the joy of, of the prince and the joy of the father, and you would be a hero. Well, that's the story of our soul. Our soul is trapped in our bodies. And it's a pretty dark place. And it grows even more ugly and disgusting. What we do with our souls. But imagine if for an hour a day, when you pray, when you're sitting here studying Torah, studying Tanya, and when you study Torah, any part of Torah, and you do a mitzvah, imagine the joy of the soul feels and experiences that you're bringing it back home. For a few moments at least, you're freeing it, you're giving it a break. You're allowing it to go back to the palace, and, to, and to, so you can imagine the joy. So when your joy becomes associated with your soul, when that becomes primary, because yes, you feel disgusted with your, with your ego, with your distorted sense of self, with your exaggerated sense of self, with your foolish sense of complacency, of contentness, but at the same time, and because of that, you feel a tremendous joy with the joy of the soul. The fact that you're, releasing, you're redeeming the soul, you're reconnecting the soul, you're freeing the soul. Then, with this introduction, you're able to fulfill the mitzvah of love your fellow Jew like yourself. And not only love the great Jew, but even love the small Jew. Great and spiritual greatness. Small, spiritually small. So you can love them equally. You can love not only. You can love the Jew that's lovable. It's easy to love a Jew that's lovable. The Torah doesn't say love the tzaddik. It's very easy to love a tzaddik. How can you not love the tzaddik? A tzaddik is a lovable person. He's kind, he's good, he's selfless, he's bright, he's wise, he's illuminated. The Torah says love your fellow Jew like yourself. It's talking about the Jew that's not lovable. It's difficult to love. The small Jew who's doing very little Torah, who's doing very little mitzvah. And yet you should love them equally. How can you do this? And again, what's the mitzvah? The mitzvah is love your fellow Jew like yourself. How can you love your fellow Jew like yourself? Seems like an impossibility. As many commentaries ask. How can, it's impossible. How can you love someone else like you love yourself? Everyone loves himself. We love ourselves unconditionally. 
Even if I have a best friend, why do I love my friend? There's a reason I love him. I like what he does to me. I like him. We click. I admire his mind. I admire his personality. I love his energy, his bubbling energy. I, I... There's reasons why you love him. And therefore, the love is also superficial. It's based on the reason. It's called a love that's ava atluya badavar, a love that's dependent on, there's a reason why I love him. If the reason is gone, the love is gone as well. Why do you love yourself? Do you need a reason to love yourself? Even if there's no rhyme and reason, we still love ourselves. <laughs> Even we have no reason to love ourselves. We still sleep like a baby at night. We love ourselves unconditionally. We accept ourselves. We overlook our own fault. It doesn't bother us. Of course, we're more aware of our own fault than anyone else. People don't even know half of it. <laughs> no one knows the skeleton of our closet. But, but we still love ourselves unconditionally. We get along with ourselves perfectly. We love ourselves. So our love of ourselves is unconditional. And it's a profound love. It's an unconditional love. No limits. The love of, another, of our friend, even our best friend, is, is, is a limit. I love him, but for a reason. And limited to that reason. It's not an unconditional love. So how can the Torah say, love your fellow Jew like yourself? Anyone? Well, it's a challenge that's like, like an impossibility. It sounds like an impossibility. But the truth is, we don't, we don't love ourselves for the right reasons. I mean, we love ourselves unconditionally, but if we sat down and really examined ourselves, it wouldn't be such a great love anymore. Even, even, even after we... Uh... It's like if you have a child and you know the child's faults and that he's really not a very good person, but you still love him. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. You still love him. Right. Parent loves a child unconditionally. So some say the mitzvah is you should treat them respectfully. Of course, you can't love them like yourself. But that's not the simple meaning. The Torah says, love your fellow Jew like yourself. And it's even deeper than that. When the Torah says, love your fellow Jew like yourself, you can't love the fellow Jew because it's a mitzvah, because you're commanded. Because you're not fulfilling, then it's not like yourself. Do you love yourself because it's a mitzvah to love yourself? Do you love yourself because it's natural? It feels very natural to love yourself. So the mitzvah of love your fellow Jew like yourself is you have to love him naturally. Not because it's a holy project, it's a mitzvah, it's a campaign. It's a, it's a, you know, that, then it's not like yourself. You don't love yourself because it's a mitzvah to love yourself, because it's some holy project you have to love yourself. It feels completely natural to love yourself. Well, you want to know what love your fellow Jew like yourself is? You have to love the other Jew as naturally as you love yourself. Not because it's a mitzvah. It's natural. How is it possible? And the answer is, because the truth is that the other Jew is yourself. The other Jew is yourself. The Jewish people are one. As the Talmud says, the Jerusalem Talmud says, when the Torah says, thou shalt not take revenge. One Jew is not allowed to take revenge on his fellow Jew. Or the Torah says, don't bear a grudge. Even if you don't take revenge, but you bear a grudge, you're also not allowed to bear a grudge. You can't say, well, I wanted to borrow from you yesterday and you refused. I am going to, and you were, today you want to borrow from me. I'm not going to take revenge. I'm going to lend it to you. Not like you did to me. So you're bearing a grudge. That's also forbidden. So the Talmud gives a beautiful analogy. 
that let's say your left hand slapped your right hand or hurt your right hand, poured some hot water over your right hand. So is the right hand going to slap the left hand? Going to take revenge? Hit their left hand? Why not? It's all part. Because it's all part. The right hand, left hand, it's all, it's all you. What difference does it make? You're hurting yourself. So that's the meaning of love your fellow Jew like yourself. Because, and this is why we say love your fellow Jew like yourself, we're talking about love your fellow Jew. A person has to treat every human being with respect. Every human being is created in the image of God. But here we're talking about it's a unique relationship. The, the non-Jew could be my best friend. But here we're talking about a different type of relationship. Love your fellow Jew like yourself, on page 421. Love your fellow Jew like yourself, it's like loving yourself. Because the Jewish people have, have a relationship with like one as the Ari, the greatest Kabbalist writes, the Jewish people are like one living organism, like one dynamic organism that has many limbs, many organs. So you have many Jews, but the truth is we are one soul that's divided into 14 million bodies. But the truth is we're all one soul. The Jewish people, Klal Yisrael, we're one soul. One in, indivisible whole soul that's divided into different bodies. Just like one organism is divided into different organs. It's the same soul that expresses itself in the brain, and the heart, and every, all the different organs, 248 organs, but it's one. So therefore, the Torah says, love your fellow Jew like yourself. It means because Jews are one. And this is the envy of the world. Because they know that there's a unity amongst Jews that simply doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Because externally, Jews have nothing external in common. We speak all languages of the world. We don't share a common geography. We live all over the world. You have different cultures. You have Svardic Jews and you have Ashkenazic Jews. You have religious Jews, you have atheist Jews. And yet, the Jews are one, family, connected. One Jew hurts anywhere in the world. The Bosnian Jews were the first one to be airlifted. The Russian Jews were in trouble. Every Jew in the world felt the kinship. Israel's in danger. Every Jew in the world feels connected. You travel anywhere in the world, you meet a fellow Jew, you feel a connection. You can't, inexplicable. You walk into any synagogue in the world, you feel at home immediately. Because we have nothing external in common, we have everything in common. Our core, our essence, our Jewishness, our pintalian. It's a soul connection with brothers and sisters. If you grow up, you have a best friend, you grew up together, and then you discover you have a lost brother a lost sister you never knew about in France, you don't speak the same language, you would feel an immediate connection because it's a brother, it's a sister, a family. It's an unconditional love. It's a core connection. It's a soul connection. It's not external. So the Jewish people are one. And therefore, therefore there's a very, very profound connection. So just like in the human organism, Let's say you had, a, you had a healthy heart. If God forbid the doctor said the family member lost his arms and lost his legs, but the heart is healthy, you'd be horrified. So too, the fact that there are Jews who are maybe the heart of the Jewish people, they're committed, they live a vibrant Jewish life, they're observant, they're immersed in Judaism, they live in Jerusalem, or they... They live a holy life. So the heart is healthy. What good does it do me if the heart is healthy 
when the hands are chopped off and the legs are chopped, chopped off, God forbid. The whole human, the whole organism is crippled. The Baal Shem Tev fought, vehemently fought against the Frankisten, who was an offshoot of Shabtai Tzvi in his day and age. But when they converted to Catholicism, just like Shabtai Tzvi converted to Islam, when he, they converted to Catholicism, Baal Shem Tev was extremely sad because he said that the Jewish organism, as long as it's connected, even if it's shriveled up, as long as it's connected, it has a chance to heal. But once the organism is chopped off from its source, then it's lost forever. So the Jewish people lost, lost an organ. The Jewish people are crippled. So therefore, one Jew cares about another Jew. You can't live in your own community, in your own religious community, or be satisfied that you're living a life spiritual life, a life of total immersion, a life that's satisfying, a life that's fulfilling, a life that's connected, you're immersed in Torah, you're immersed in mitzvot, while there are millions of Jews who have no connection, no visible or conscious connection to anything Jewish. Because as long as one organ is chopped off, or one organ is missing, they don't feel part of the Jewish people. And they don't identify with its past, don't identify with its future and don't feel connected, then it's like the whole organism is crippled. Because the Jewish people are one. It's one soul in 14 million bodies. You can't separate it. It's the right hand and the left hand. And that's why the Torah says, thou shalt not take revenge and thou shalt not bear a grudge. Because it's like taking revenge on yourself, bearing a grudge against yourself. The way one Jew treats another Jew it's really treating yourself. It's how, how you treat yourself. So, the mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew like yourself, it means literally. Loving your fellow Jew like yourself. The smallest to the greatest. And loving them equally. But how can a person fulfill this? It's very nice. And it's the truth. The truth is that Jews are one. And in a moment of truth, we know that they're one. During the Six-Day War, when Israel was threatened, the Jewish people became like one. All the parties in Israel, all the, the different labels, all fell by the wayside, and the Jewish people became like one person. And this is our secret. This is our strength. When Jews are one, miracles happen. There's no force in the universe that can stop us. When Jews are united, miracles happen. The greatest miracle in our generation happened at that moment, when Jews were completely united left behind all the labels and all the, all the differences, all fell by the wayside. We became like one person. But crisis can only reveal what's true, what's there all along. Like in a family, in times of crisis, in moments of truth, the familiar relationship, their unconditional love, there can be families that are not talking to each other. And yet, God forbid, when there's a loss in the family, the family rallies together and comes together. Crisis can only reveal what's there, the truth. The truth emerges. The challenge is, how can we live this way each and every day of our lives without a crisis? So the Alter Rebbe is saying now that by, by, by achieving and accomplishing what we've accomplished in the last three chapters, when a person shifts his identity, instead of his identity, instead of identifying with his ego and with his exaggerated, inflated sense of self, 
and with his self-absorption and complacency and contentness and loss, which leads to loss of interest in anything spiritual. On the contrary, when a person shifts his identity and his identity becomes associated with his soul and the joy of the soul, and that becomes your identity, and the fact that you're freeing and you're releasing and you're soothing your soul, your soul that's trapped in your body and the soul that's in anguish, the soul that's an existential angst, and you're releasing and freeing the soul by studying Torah and doing a mitzvah and doing something Jewish and leading a godly life, a Jewish life, when that becomes your identity, that's the path how a person can achieve and can accomplish the mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew like yourself, even without a crisis, without anything external, how you can motivate yourself and you can come to fulfill this mitzvah. And you can look at your neighbor differently. Look at your Jewish neighbor. Look at a Jew differently. Realize that it's it's the Jew and me are one. It's my fellow Jew. We're family. We're all part of the same reality. We're all connected. On the deepest level, on the core level, we all have the same soul, the Jewish soul. What makes us Jewish is we have a, a godly spark, a divine essence. And the other Jew has the exact same Jewish soul as I am. The exact same divine connection. Therefore, you love the Jew within the Jew. Okay, you want to continue? Since his body is despised and loathsome, he will not love himself on account of his body more than he loves his fellow. And as for the soul and spirit, the differences between his own soul and that of his fellow surely will not diminish the love between them. For who can know there? the soul and spirit's greatness and excellence in their source and root, the living God. How then can one explain that his soul is superior to his fellows? So if it comes to doing a material favor to your fellow Jew, or not being envious or jealous of them, that they're taking away your livelihood, or that you feel that they're competition with you, when your identity shifts from your ego, instead of being egotistical, and that becomes who you are. Therefore, your body is not, so, is not so, so precious to you. That's not how you identify yourself. You have a much deeper definition than your ego. So therefore, when it comes to ego matters, you can love your fellow Jew like yourself. But the question is, when it comes to spiritual matters, how can I love my fellow Jew like myself? Yes, it's true. I don't identify with my ego, my self-definition is much deeper than that. I have a spiritual self-definition. But my spirit perhaps is richer than his spirit. I'm studying a lot more Torah. I'm doing a lot, many more mitzvot than my fellow Jew. I am great and he is small. So how can you say love your fellow Jew like yourself? And the answer is when it comes to matters of the soul, we're not the experts. We don't know who is greater and who is smaller. Because the truth is that in a real sense, Every, other Jew, every single Jew is greater than us. Why? In a living organism, you have the brain, and you have the heart, and then you have the legs, and you have the toenails. Maybe that Jew is a toenail, and I'm the brain. So what do you mean, I don't know who's greater, which soul is greater? Obviously, the brain is greater, the eye is greater than the, than the toe or the toenail. But in a certain sense, every single Jew is greater. Why? Because 
Just like in the human organism. Every single organ is unique. Every single organ in a certain sense is superior to all the other other organs. Every single organ contributes something unique to the entire organism. Just like the brain and the leg. Of course the brain is superior to the leg. But not necessarily. When it comes to what the leg can do. When the brain wants to go to the library, the brain needs the leg. The leg is now superior to the brain. The brain, that leg becomes the head. The The leg leads the way. So... The entire organism is dependent on the leg because the leg, only the leg can do what a leg can do. And the entire organism is dependent on the leg being the leg and doing what the, what the leg does best. So every Jew contributes something, brings something unique to the Jewish experience. There never was a Jew like you, a Jewish soul like you, and there never will be another Jewish soul like you. Every Jewish soul is unique. And brings a flavor to the Jewish experience and brings something new, a freshness a fresh perspective. And in that sense, the entire Jewish organism, every Jewish soul, needs and is dependent on this Jew. And this Jew is the head, is the leader, when it comes to this fresh, this unique perspective. So in a genuine sense, I don't know who's greater. Not because I, I don't know. Maybe he is greater, maybe he's not. I don't know. Hashem didn't tell me. That's also true. I don't know. People we think are greater are really not greater. We don't know how to measure these things. We don't know how to measure souls. We're not mavens. We're not experts on measuring souls. A person could look the part externally, and yet he has a very low soul. And you can have a person who externally doesn't look the part, and yet he has a very deep soul, a very rich soul, a very powerful soul. So only Hashem knows we're not mavens on souls. But it's much deeper than that. The truth is, we don't know because in a certain sense, every single one is superior to us. We have to believe and we have to know. It's a fact that every Jew is superior to us. In a certain sense. And we all need each other. And we all complete each other. And we're all dependent on each other. And we're all connected with each other. So therefore, how can I look down at this fellow Jew? I don't need him. I'm self-sufficient. I'm great. He's small. He's wasting my time. Wasting your time. You need him. You're dependent. In a certain sense, he's your leader. And he's the head and 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 you're the foot. So therefore, you can love your fellow Jew like yourself. But as long as a person is egotistical, ego gets in the way. You can't love your fellow Jew if you're egotistical. Love is a soul soul thing. Genuine love is a soul thing. We're not talking about the love. Today in America, everyone loves. That's not love. When you love your ice cream and you love a person, it's the same thing. (laughs) That's nothing to do with love. Because if you loved your ice cream, you wouldn't eat the ice cream. <laughs> when you, can, you love the ice cream, you consume the ice cream, you don't love the ice cream, you love yourself. You love what the ice cream does for you. Well, when loving people becomes the same as loving your ice cream, you consume the other person, and what, does the, what can the other person do for me? And how does the other person strike me? And how does the other person excite me? And You consume the other person. It has nothing, nothing, to do with the, nothing to do with love. Genuine love is, is a spiritual. That's why when people fall in love in the beginning, their ego breaks down. They become one. It's a very exciting moment. It doesn't last too long, but it's a very exciting moment. The moment you fall, you fall in love and you're mad about each other and you forget about yourself and you're totally absorbed in the other person. And, um... But love is a, is a spiritual thing. It's two souls connecting. 
One ego doesn't love another ego. One ego only cares about himself. It's what can the other person do for me? How can you... How, how can I consume you? And then you consume them and then you spit them out because <laughs> the novelty wears off and, and uh, there's nothing left and therefore you, you move on. It's not a genuine love. It's what the Mishnah calls a love that depends on something else. It's an external love. There's a reason behind the love. It's not a genuine love. A genuine love is a soul thing. And it, never, it doesn't end. On the contrary, it just grows. The more you feed it, the more you satisfy it. It's like pouring kerosene on the fire. The more the love grows. You can't do enough. And the love deepens. Because it's not, it's not I love them because. It's a soul thing. It's a soul connection. So when a person's identity is his ego, that's how he defines himself. Money, power, fame by externals, his ego, then there's no, there's no genuine love. But when a person, the more a person is in touch with his soul, the more a person's identity becomes the joy of the soul. And that becomes who you are. That becomes how you identify yourself. You shift your identity from your ego to your soul. Then you can reveal that love, that unconditional love. Then you can experience that love. And then you can feel that love and act on that love and genuinely love your fellow Jew like yourself. And the very act of loving your fellow Jew like yourself also helps you reveal and expose your soul. It works both ways. Not only when your identity is your soul, then it's an easy path to reach the level of love your fellow Jew like yourself if you act on this love and you treat your fellow Jew with this love. That alone helps you reveal your own soul. That alone helps you to to expose your soul. Furthermore, they are actually all equal, and not only equal yet separate, but furthermore they all have one Father, one Source, and within their Source they all comprise one entity. So he says three things. Firstly, there are differences, he says. There are great Jews and there are small Jews. But we don't know which is greater. And a deeper sense, because the truth is, even the small one, in a certain sense, is greater than the, than the great one, because in whatever this soul is unique in, he is the head, and the great soul is the, is the, is the foot. That's one level. Another thing he says, on a deeper level, all the souls are one. They're all equal. They're all the same. There is no greater and small. They're all the same. And then he says, a third thing. Not only are all the souls the same, but there are many souls. The truth is that all souls are one. They all have the same source. We have one father. So just like there could be many brothers, but in, at, in the source, they're all one. They all have the same source. So in the source, they're one. Then, when the father's sperm is in the mother's womb, it takes nine months, and then the child develops. Then you get the differentiation. And then you, you have one child, and you have another child. This one has this personality. That, this child has another personality. But when you go back to the source, it's really the same source. They have the same father. So it's one source. It's all one. There is no differentiation altogether. Because the Jewish people are one soul in 14 million bodies. 
But the truth is it's one soul. And it's like the, again, the human organism is a very good analogy, a very helpful analogy. Because on one hand, the human organism, every organ is unique, every organ is different. The liver is a liver, and the brain is a brain, and the heart is a heart. On the other hand, all the organs are dependent on each other. They're all connected. It's the same blood that circulates throughout the whole body. All the organs are connected. And they all communicate. They all communicate, and they're all connected. It's all connected. The whole organism is connected. Because the truth is that the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. You are one person. You're not a bag of 248 limbs and 365 veins. You are one organism. You are one whole. That expresses itself in in 248 limbs, uh, 365 veins. But you're one whole indivisible self. So the heart, the heart is being a heart. But the heart senses, it's not just the heart. I'm part of something greater than myself. I belong to something greater than myself. I belong to this one whole undivisible self. And the brain also. It's not just about being a brain and being a good brain, functioning brain. I'm part of something greater than myself. I'm part of the whole, which is more than just a brain and more than just that. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. And therefore, they're really one and the same. And the same is with the Jewish people. There are different ways the way a Jew can look at himself. One is as an individual. As an organ, a unique organ. There never was a Jew like you, there never will be. And you have to develop your individuality and your personality and your character and your talents and your tastes and your interests because you are unique. And although the human body is connected, if the liver will try to be a heart and the heart will try to be a brain, you'll have disaster. The liver, the reason why the human body works so well together and there's no politics in the human body is because the heart is a heart. The liver doesn't try to be a a heart. The heart doesn't try to be a liver. Everyone is exactly functions as their, uh, to the best of their unique ability. But on the other hand, besides being an individual, for a Jew, the, f- the first and foremost thing is that we belong to something greater than all of us put together. We are part of something greater than all of us put together. And that's called Kalal Yisrael, the Jewish people. Each and every one of us feels that we're a member of Klal Yisrael. We're a member of the whole. The whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. It's greater than all of us put together. So even the Jew that's a mind, that's a brain, that's an eye, that's the greatest, the Jew knows that I am part of something much larger than myself. And therefore, all Jews are one. It doesn't matter whether it's a toenail, it doesn't matter if it's a brain, a heart, a liver... That's just a detail, that's just an aspect. But the whole is much greater than the sum total. And therefore, therefore all the limbs are connected. All the organs are connected and all the limbs are connected and the whole body is connected. It's the same blood that circulates throughout the whole body. And therefore, every organ also complements each other and completes each other and depends on each other and needs each other. The brain needs the the legs and the brain wants to go to the library and needs the legs to walk and to take them there. Because at, at its essence, they're all the same. So not only is it not a contradiction, but Alter Rebbe is saying that the love of your fellow Jew like yourself is not enough to love. I love Jews. You know, you ask a non-Jew, what do you think of Jews? Okay, you know. 
Some do and some, some don't like them. What do you think? But even, though, even the anti-Semite, what do you think of a filia doctor? Ah, what a gem. What a mensch. What a special person. How about your financial advisor? How about your lawyer? Oh. He says, you meet a Jew. He says, I love Jews. What do you think of Yankel, your partner? Ah, that Ganef, that lowlife. <laughs> Shmerel, your neighbor. Oh, yeah, that, that white beater that, you know, I have no friends, but I love Jews. Love your fellow Jew like yourself is not enough just to love in general. I love Jewish people. I'm a Jew and I love Jews. The mitzvah is also to love, in, love them individually. <laughs> love them for their qualities. Not only because they're Jewish and therefore I love Jews, because I love Jews. Love them as individuals. Find a good quality why you love them. In addition to the fact that you love them in general because they're Jewish and we're all one and we're all connected and we're all brothers and we're all family and we have a core connection, a soul connection, but also love them as individuals. See the advantage, see the unique ability of each Jew, see the unique quality of each Jew. Find something positive and good to say about each and every Jew. And even if it's difficult, and that's where a good lawyer comes in. One of the things we can learn from being a lawyer is always to see the positive. Even the most unexpected places, you always highlight the positive. Like Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Barditcher, the great Hasidic master, he once saw a Jew who was um, in the stable polishing the wheels of his wagon, so a horse and buggy driver. And while he was polishing the wheels in the stable, he was praying. He was wearing his talus and his tefillin. So what would be our reaction? What a bum, what a low life. You're davening to Hashem, why don't you go into shul? What was I believe you saw that of action? He says, wow, Hashem. Look what a beautiful people you have. Even when he's polishing his wagon, he's thinking about you, he's praying to you. And he wasn't being facetious, because in a way he was right. Yes, this, guy, this Jew is a, a bum, a low life. But why, why is he praying altogether? But he's a Jew, what do you mean? How can I not pray? See, even when he's polishing his, his wagon... He's still, I'm a Jew, I have to pray, I have to talk to Hashem. So it's to find the quality, the good quality in each and every person. Love them also as an individual. Just like the human organism. Every organism is unique. So yes, in addition to the fact that every organism is part of a whole, and the whole is greater than the sum total of its part, and it's not about being a liver, it's not about being a heart, it's not about being a brain or being a good eye. It's about that we're all part of this whole indivisible self. But also every organ has its own unique contribution. And every organ complements all the other organs. And all the other organs are dependent on that organ in order to be whole and complete. So the reason why you're able to get along with each other, and the reason why all the organs are all interrelated and interconnected, and all have a relationship with each other, and the reason why they all complement each other and they all fulfill each other, is because at the essence they're all one. Because they're all part of something greater, the whole is greater than the sum total of its parts. Because every Jew feels like part of Kal Yisrael, we feel part of the Jewish whole. And we all belong to this whole, uh, one dynamic organism which is called Kal Yisrael, which includes every Jew that's alive today, every Jew that ever lived, and all future Jewish generations. But at the same time, for that reason, for that reason, you also can love each and every Jew as an individual. See the uniqueness. See how they contribute, the unique flavor that they bring to the Jewish experience. Their uniqueness, the freshness that they bring, 
there's never been a Jew like this Jew, there never will be a Jew, and how they, how they express the same Yiddishkeit, but it's not the same. It's different, it's fresh, it's unique, because we all, we all are so different. No two people look alike, we don't think alike, we don't look alike. Every one of us brings something unique to life, unique, fresh perspective. And you have to see that in the other person, and learn from it. So you can learn from each and every person, and see the qualities in each and every person, and see how in this, that sense, that Jew is my, is my teacher, and that Jew is my leader, and he's greater than I, and I am, I am a student. So the love of your fellow Jew has to be in all levels. It has to be, even on the level where you do see distinctions between one Jew and the other, one is great and one is small, and you have to see each one as a unique, unique organ. And then you also have to feel part of Klau Yisrael. You have to feel that there's something much greater than all of us put together. That's why the greatest Jew doesn't live in isolation. The greatest Jew, three times a day, will come to synagogue to pray with ten other Jews. It has to belong to the community. You can't approach God as an individual. You can't go on a mountaintop and sit and meditate. The highest level you can reach as an individual. You have to belong to the community. There's something greater than you. Spirituality could be the ultimate ego trip. And as long as a person is egotistical, or even spiritual, you cannot accomplish the mitzvah of love your fellow Jew like yourself. Love your fellow Jew like yourself is when you get beyond your ego, even your spirituality. When you connect to something greater than yourself. When you feel part of something greater than all of us put together. Moshe was incomplete until he became a leader, as great as he was. It's only when he assumed the mantle of leadership and he became the leader to the Jewish people and he, and he was engaged in the Jewish people, even the simple Jew, and he led them. That's when Moshe became Moshe. That's when Moshe reached his own personal uh, height. It's when a person forgets about himself and realizes that we plug into the community and plug into Klal Yisrael and, and love your fellow Jew like yourself and sacrifice of your time, your precious time and spirituality and your own spiritual growth to help another Jew. That's when you become whole. When you forget about yourself, that's when you become a whole person. So this is essential, this is key to a Jew's path to Hashem. It has to be paved with love your fellow Jew like yourself. It's not a loner's, it's not a loner's journey. We're part of a community. We're part of something much larger than all of us put together. As great as we are as an individual, it's not as great as the greatness we accomplish and we achieve when we plug in and connect and feel that love to your fellow Jew. The highest level that a person can reach, the greatest compliment that you can give a person, the highest level that a person can reach is when a person, it's not when a person meditates and reaches divine ecstasy and feels spiritual and higher levels of consciousness. That's not the highest level. That's a stepping stone. You want to know what the highest level a person can reach? When a person develops a pleasure in doing your fellow Jew a favor. When you develop a pleasure, when their suffering becomes your suffering, when you see a fellow Jew in pain, it becomes your pain. When you see them rejoice, a personal simcha, you're happy for them. It becomes your personal joy. You dance with them. You're joyous with them. And when you feel, when you love your fellow Jew like yourself, that's the highest. When you have a, a pleasure, it gives you pleasure to do, to do them a favor. When you reach that level, that's the highest level you can reach. That's the peak. That means you're really touching the divine. Now you're touching Hashem. Now we know that it's for real. Now we know that your Yiddishkeit is for real.
This is the moment of truth. How do I know? Maybe it's all delusionary. Spirituality could be the ultimate ego trip. I think I'm connecting. I'm flying high. I'm in ecstasy. I'm meditating nine hours a day. You don't love God. You love yourself. It has nothing to do with God. You don't know what God looks like. But you want to know if you really love Hashem, if you're connected with Hashem. The test is, do you have, do you have the heart of the Torah? Is if you're connected, if you love your fellow Jew like yourself. When you develop a pleasure... When you develop a pleasure, to, it gives you pleasure just to do a favor in Aviyyid. That's the highest level. That's what we can aspire to. And the Rebbe was the ultimate example of that. The Rebbe was a living example of love your fellow Jew like yourself. You know, he would stand for hours every Sunday, meeting and talking and encountering and being accessible to each and every Jew, the greatest to the smallest, made no difference. And when he was with you, he was with you 100%. Nothing else existed. You felt as if the whole world came to an end. All he had on his mind was just you. He was totally focused on you. You know, he would, he would... The love that the Hasidim had to the Rebbe was nothing in comparison to the love and the awe and the respect that the Rebbe had for every Jew. He would stand... You know, he had the stroke. He was 89 years old. He would stand for hours and he was fasting because he wouldn't eat. Because afterwards he would go visit the, the gravesite of his father-in-law after standing from 11 in the morning to like 6 in the afternoon. And then he would go to pray for, for all those who send him, thousands of people would send him letters asking and he would go and read their requests at the gravesite of his father-in-law. And he wouldn't eat that day. And he was 89 years old and he was standing. And he said, Rebbe, why don't you sit down? You can just as easily sit and give out dollars. What do you have to stand for seven hours without any interruption? So the Rebbe said, he said, a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah is coming before me and I should sit? The Rebbe was in awe of a Jew. The simplest Jew. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber, if you're a tailor, if you're a cobbler. The simplest Jew, the greatest Jew, made no difference. The Rebbe was an awe of a Jew. And this one time he says why he doesn't get tired. He said, he says, I'm counting diamonds. Imagine you were counting diamonds. If you count someone else's diamonds, I'm sure you would get tired. <laughs> but when you're counting your own diamonds, every Jew is our own diamond because we're all connected. It's my diamonds. You don't get tired. You forget about your, 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 your exhaustion. So, the Rebbe was such a living example of love your fellow Jew like yourself in the most literal sense. And, and he put his money where his mouth is. He opened up Chabad houses. There are 4,000 Chabad houses today, just like this one that we're sitting in. 4,000 Chabad houses like this in every corner of the world. Wherever there are Jews, not only great communities, important communities, prominent communities, wherever there are Jews, anywhere in the world, he sent his personal emissary. He said, I would like to be there in person. I can't be all over the world. So please, you're my agent, a legal agent. You represent me. And go and speak to each and every Jew in your community. And make them realize that each and every Jew is indispensable. There isn't a single redundant Jew. There isn't a single extra Jew. We need the participation of each and every Jew. We need each and every Jew to consciously feel connected to the Jewish people. To feel connected with Jewish history, with Jewish identity, with Jewish destiny. By doing a mitzvah. Let them come home. It's called a Chabad house. Let them feel at home. And they're accepted. Unconditionally. No judgment. 
no judging another person. Just, just they can come in and feel completely comfortable, completely at home. And the idea that every single Jew counts and every single Jew matters, literally. There isn't a single Jew in this world, an extra Jew. And that the entire Jewish people is incomplete until every last Jew in the world comes home and feels connected. Because it's like missing a pinky. You can have the whole organism, but if one pinky is missing, the whole organism is considered a cripple. A person needs to be whole, 100%, because it's one organism. It's not mechanical. It's not the organs, not mechanical. It's one, they're all connected, they all feel each other. And if one organ is detached, God forbid, if one organ is missing, the whole organism is lacking. So if a Jew is immersed in Judaism, living in Jerusalem, is immersed in holiness day and night, but there's a Jew in Alaska who doesn't feel connected, the entire Jewish people feel incomplete. And therefore the Rebbe said, the best and the brightest, the greatest rabbis, the greatest mystics, the greatest meditators, he sent them to Alaska and sent them to Hawaii and sent them to Las Vegas and sent them wherever there are Jews, anywhere in the world. And he says, your mission is love your fellow Jew like yourself. Literally. Care for every Jew. A Jew that you've never seen. But care for them. And the Jew feels, the Jew feels and experiences that you're there, you're not there It's not a nine-to-five job. And you're not here temporarily. You're here. And you're here to stay. And it's an end in itself. You're here just for them. And when they feel that it's genuine, and they feel that the love is genuine, that you really care about them, literally, just like you love yourself. It's the most natural thing in the world. You love yourself is the most natural thing in the world. So too, you love your fellow Jew, not because it's a project. It's a holy project. I'm on a mission. It's the most natural thing in the world. We're all connected. We're all one. You love your fellow Jew like yourself. And the other Jew feels that you really care about them, where they're at. That, that touches them. That moves them. And that's why today we've witnessed the renaissance of Jewish life, which is so unprecedented in Jewish history, where hundreds of thousands of Jews who, due to no fault of their own, did not have the benefit of a Jewish education, have rediscovered their, their Judaism with a vengeance, with a passion, and have reconnected only because of this unconditional love, this, this reaching out to each and every Jew, reaching into each and every Jew, and making Judaism available and accessible. So this is a living way of life. This is not just talk. It's not just an empty talk, you know, very nice, highfalutin, uh, very interesting uh, theory. The Rebbe took this theory and put it into practice. Love your fellow Jew is lev, is the 32nd chapter, which in Hebrew is lev, lamed beis. It's the heart of the Hasidic movement. It's the heart of the Hasidic philosophy. It's the heart of Judaism. To love your fellow Jew like yourself. It's first, foremost, and primary. And that's the gateway to loving the Torah and loving Hashem. Okay. It is on account of this common root in the one God that all of Israel are called brothers in the full sense of the word, and not only figuratively in the sense of relatives or similar in appearance and the like. We find in the Torah um, the expression that we're brothers, meaning we're not literally brothers, but like brothers, we're similar. Here, when we call, refer to our fellow Jews as brothers, we mean literally we're brothers, like family. Just like brothers, there's an unconditional love between family, siblings, because you are from the same essence. We'll have the same message. It's not 
conditional, it's not external. There's a core connection. So too, Jews are literally brothers. We're family. And that's why we're discussing here is uniquely Jewish. We love all mankind. But the non-Jew is our best friend. Our love to our fellow Jew, it's a brother and a sister. It's a different relationship. It's an unconditional relationship. And that's our window to the world. The test of a person is not how he treats strangers. You want to know what the test of a person is? How they treat their own family. Imagine a person who's wonderful to his neighbors, loves his neighbors, beats his wife, beats his kids. That's dysfunctional. When a person cares more about the Arabs than he cares about his own brother and sister and doesn't, use, doesn't miss an opportunity to bash his fellow Jew, but his heart bleeds for those poor Arabs, that's dysfunctional. That doesn't bring peace, because if you're not at peace with yourself, you're not at peace with your own identity, you're not at home with who you, all, you are, charity begins at home. A person who treats his own, who loves his brother and his sister and treats his own with respect and love and care and loves them unconditionally, that will be a wonderful neighbor. This is our window to the world. Charity begins at home. Our window to the world is Avas Yisrael. Love your fellow Jew like yourself. A person who lives, who lives and expresses this ideal will be a person who will be kind and will respect every human being. So not only isn't it a contradiction, on the contrary. This is the pathway, this is the gateway to, to the world. For us, this is the gateway to the world. This is the foundation of who we are. Why is it that Jews are the first ones to help, whether save the whales, or to save, save the Vietnamese, or to care about anyone and everyone under the sun? It's precisely because we're Jewish. And that's why we care about the whole world. So appreciate your Jewishness. Treasure your Jewishness. Celebrate your Jewishness. Express your Jewishness. And that's the reason why you respect every human being. That's the reason why Jews are the only people in the world who don't proselytize. Because we believe you don't have to be Jewish to be connected with God. We have respect for every human being. Every human being is created in the image of God. So not only isn't it a conflict, this is our foundation. This is our cornerstone. When you love a fellow, your fellow Jew like yourself, when you realize that we're all brothers and we're sisters, and we share the same soul, we have a soul connection, we all have the same Jewish soul. What makes us Jewish is we have a Jewish neshama, a Jewish soul, a piece of the divine essence. And the other Jew has the exact same neshama, the same pintalayid. That's our window to the world. That will lead us to respect and to love every human being. Okay. Only the bodies are distinct from each other. This explains how it is at all possible to demand that one love his fellow as he loves himself. Self-love is innate, natural to man. Love for one's fellow is not. How can a generated love match a natural one? According to the principle stated here, this is readily understood. One Jew need not create a love for another. The love is an inborn characteristic of his soul, on account of its root in godliness, which is common to all souls. It is as natural as the love between brothers. The question is, how could there be a commandment to love? Love your fellow Jew like yourself. 
Love a Jew is unlovable. <laughs> Either I love or I don't love. You can't order someone to love. You can order someone to act in a certain way, act respectfully, act lovingly. But how do you order someone to love? And the answer is, because you don't have to create the love. If you have to create the love, you can't command someone to love. The love is there. All you have to do is reveal it. How do you reveal it? So as long as you're egotistical, when your identity is is ego, then it's impossible. Because one ego cares for himself. I care for myself. A person cares more about his own pinky than millions of people starving in Africa. What do I care? My pinky hurts. that's, That's more important to me. Millions of people dying, being slaughtered and butchered. That's just human nature. When Christians are being slaughtered in, 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 in Africa, do you see Christians marching down Paris, marching down Fifth Avenue? We really have nothing in common. Every human being is a world for himself. I don't care what's going on there. I care about my own life. That's natural. So as long as a person is egotistical, then you, can, you can't really love another person as yourself. But when a person rises above his ego, when a person reveals his soul, for the soul, it's the most natural thing in the world. Because we're brothers. The souls are connected. You don't have to create that connection. That connection is innate. It's inherent. It's there. You just have to reveal it. Just get the ego out of the way. The moment you get the ego out of the way, the neshama just bubbles to the surface. Once the soul bubbles, bubbles to the surface, the soul loves his fellow Jew like himself. Because we're brothers. Now, the second Lubavitcher Rebbe once said, and this is the, the reason for a, a fabrengen. Amongst Hasidim, it's very popular, the whole concept of a fabrengen. Fabrengen means a get-together. Where Jews get together and they fabreng with each other. They strengthen each other. They help each other. They talk about, they talk about their, their spiritual state of being. And he once explained it, the advantage of a fabrengen of two Jews getting together and helping each other and discussing their spiritual state of being, he says, it's two godly souls ganging up against one, one ego, one animal soul. Why? You have two godly souls and you have two egos. So why, why isn't it a match, two against two? Because every ego only cares about itself. I couldn't care less about someone else. So it's really two against one. My godly soul, on the other hand, not only cares about myself, my godly soul cares about your soul also. You have the same godly soul that I have. You have the same divine essence. You have the same pintaliyid. You have the same connection. And therefore, when you're in touch with your godly soul, my godly soul genuinely cares about you because we're brothers. I care about you. So it's two souls, two energies, ganging up against one ego. So it's two against one. So when one Jew sits down to help, to help another one, and when they help each other, it's two against one. And that's the idea of a fabrengen. It gives you tremendous strength. You don't have to deal with it alone. You don't have to deal with your spiritual, inner spiritual dilemmas alone, your spiritual challenges alone, when you can sit and have an open and honest and heart-to-heart discussion with another chassid, with another Jew, and you can discuss your spiritual state. It gives you tremendous energy, tremendous strength, because it's two against one. So your soul genuinely cares about the other soul. You just have to reveal it. As long as the ego is in the way... And then you can't feel it, you can't experience it. But the moment you get the ego out of the way and you allow your neshama to emerge, then you can feel.
to love your fellow Jew. Then you can genuinely care about another person. Genuinely care about them. And feel their pain and feel their joy. And um, feel what's bothering them. There was once a chassid who overheard a few Russian peasants were in the bar and they were drinking. And one turns to the other and he says, he says, tell me what's bothering me. He says, are you my friend? He says, absolutely. <laughs> he says, tell me what's bothering me. He says, I have no idea. You never told me. He says, ah, you're not my friend. <laughs> he says, if you were my friend, you would feel you would know what's bothering me. So as long as a person is egotistical, ego gets in the way. Ego, ego, egotist only cares about himself. And when you get in touch with your neshama, when you allow your neshama to emerge, then you can genuinely feel that love because the neshama has that love. You don't have to create it. We're born with it. It's innate. It's inherent. One Jew cares about another Jew. In the moment of truth, we see it. In the moment of crisis, we've seen it. During the Six-Day War, our Jews just came together. Because it's there. It's always there. It's buried. It's submerged. But the truth is, it's always there. Deep down, it's always there. But the ego gets in the way. You remove the ego, and then you can feel that. You can... And that's why the Torah says, love your fellow Jew like yourself. The question is, how can you command someone to love? You can't command someone to love. Either I do or I don't. Because you don't have to create that love. That love is there. You're born with it. You just have to reveal it. So if you think about it, and if you shift your focus from, from being egotistical to identifying with your soul, the more you're in touch with your soul, your godly soul, your divine soul, and that becomes your identity, the more you can fulfill this mitzvah of loving your fellow Jew like yourself. Why do, are we not commanded to love our parents? Surely the love is there anyway. Well, it goes without saying. I mean, uh, firstly, it says you have to love your fellow Jew like yourself. Your parents are also fellow Jews. The Torah is adding something. When it comes to parents, the Torah is saying, in addition to loving them, you have to respect them. Your relationship to parents is different. To a child, parents are like God. And you have to treat them with the same awe and respect that you have for God. That's how you have to treat your parents. For the children, they are our creators. They were God's partners in creating us. So we have to treat them like God. God says he equaled his, his respect that he expects of us to the respect, to the respect that he expects but to respect parents. It said that you cannot command a child to love their parents, but you can command them to honor them. No, because love is the same thing. You have to love every Jew. You have to love every Jew. Surely your parents goes without saying. That, that's not what the Torah is saying. Love, honor your parents is, it's like a king. You have to treat them like royalty. Parents are not your friends. Parents are not your best friends. Parents are like your kings, your royalty, your God. It's a different relationship. You have to treat them in a whole different respect. It's a whole different... They're not your buddies. Parents are not your buddies. Parents are, are, parents are like... They are the transmission of the tradition. They're the link. They're your link to the whole tradition. The 3,800 years of tradition. They, are, they created. They're, they're partners with God in creating you. They chose to create you. So when the Torah says respect them, the Torah is adding something. In addition to love, you have to love them. They're, first of all, they're Jews. You only love strangers. You have to love your parents. Surely you love your parents. It's natural. 
The Torah is adding a, a whole new dimension. In addition, you have to respect. It doesn't say you have to respect your fellow Jew. You have to honor your parents. Honor your parents. It's a different level of honor. It's a different level of respect. It's, a, it's like God, like, like royalty. Like, uh, you have to treat them. If you read the code of Jewish law, you have to honor your parents. It's, it's unbelievable. But many people say how great the Torah is that they don't command you to love because if you don't, you cannot. But they, it commands you to honor. Hey, well, you can do. I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the right answer. It says you have to love your fellow Jew like yourself. Surely your parents are not less than, than the, any stranger. If you have to love a stranger, surely you're not going to love your own parents. That's not the correct answer. The correct answer is that the Torah is talking about something else entirely. You know, you have to honor your parents. Like no one else. There's no one else in the world you have to honor. And that's why you see it also. You see it, uh, God forbid, when there's a tragedy. When a child loses his parents. There's nothing in the world like losing a parent. When a person loses a child or loses a spouse, you mourn for 30 days and that's it. It's over. Only when you lose a parent do you say Kaddish. When you lose a parent... You, you, you mourn for 12 months because your parent is your foundation. There's nothing in the world, there's no relationship in the world like a parent-child relationship. Nothing. It's irreplaceable. It's your essence. It's your core. It's like the foundation has been, has been removed from you. The whole building collapses. Everything else is, in a certain sense, in comparison to that, is like adding on to the building. The building will survive without it, but if you remove the parent... Your whole foundation, it's your whole foundation, it's your essence, it's who you are, you are your parent, it's you. It's a different relationship, there's no relationship like a parent-child. So the Torah is saying, honoring your parents, it's a whole different thing, not, not only honor and not love. Love, you have to love everyone, if you have to love a stranger, surely you're going to love your parent. They're not worse off than any other Jew. You have to love every Jew, surely you have to love, love your parents. I hope so, <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> How about being grateful, you know, for bringing them, for, you know, for bringing you into this world? And but um, the Torah is saying honor is a whole different, a whole different thing. But here he's talking about loving, loving your fellow Jew like yourself. Therefore, there can be no true love and fraternity between those who regard their bodies as primary and their souls secondary, but only a love based on an external factor. Since the body separates us from each other, whereas the soul is that which binds us together, the greater value one places on his body at the expense of his soul, the more conscious he is of the differences between himself and his fellow. These differences require that he create a love for his fellow. And as said above, a created love can never equal a natural innate love. Therefore, love between people who consider their bodies as primarily important must be only a love based on some external factor, in which case the love is a. limited to the importance of the motivating factor, and b. destined to endure only as long as that factor is valid. Any love based on ego is, is very arbitrary. It's external, it's superficial. It's only as strong as the reason. When the reason is gone, the love is gone. And um, it's just external. You love for yourself. You don't need a reason to love yourself. You love yourself unconditionally. It's natural. When the Torah says, love your fellow Jew like yourself, the Torah means you have to love them with the same type of love. It has to feel natural. Don't love them because it's a mitzvah, it's a commandment, it's holy. 
you don't love yourself because it's a mitzvah. You love yourself, it feels natural to love yourself. That's how you have to love your fellow Jew like yourself. Literally like yourself. It's the most natural thing in the world because the other Jew is yourself. We are one. We're all one. We have the same source. We have the same soul. We have the same divine essence, the same divine spark. We're all connected. We're all one. We are genuinely one. In moments of truth, you see it. It emerges. It is there. You don't have to create it. You don't have to invent it. It is there. And it touches every fiber of your being and every bone in your body. You feel a kinship. You feel a connection. There's a very powerful connection. I mean, you know... When, when Jews get together, they always end up talking about something Jewish. It's, uh, even, even Jews who are not observant. Reminds me of the story the, uh, the professor gave his students an assignment to write a report, a book report on the elephant. So the German wrote three volumes on the anatomy of the elephant. The French student naturally wrote about the love life of the elephant. <laughs> The American student wrote how to breed bigger and better elephants. And the Jewish student wrote the elephant and the Jewish problem. <laughs> always always a, a Jewish connection. Because it's, so, it's, it's part of our essence. You know, you can't, it's who you are. You can't run away from it. It's, it's your essence. It's there. And a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Every Jew has that spark. Every Jew has that pintalyid. Every Jew has that connection. So you just have to reveal it. You just have to blow away the dust. The ego gets in the way. But you blow away the dust and then it emerges. It's there. In all its beauty and all its glory, the connection is there. It's natural. And uh, you, know, you just have to, have to tap into it. Let's just read another. Up to now. The Alter Rebbe has discussed the mitzvah of loving one's fellow on its own merits. He now proceeds to discuss the value of this mitzvah as the basis for all the commandments, thereby elucidating yet further the importance of rejoicing with the joy of the soul alone. Now he's going to explain, which actually actually going to continue next week, how love your fellow Jew like yourself is not only the foundation for all the mitzvahs between man and man, but it's really the foundation for all the mitzvot, period. All 613 mitzvot, including the mitzvot to the man and God. As Hillel said, told the convert, who wanted, asked Hillel to teach him the Torah in one soundbite, in one Madison Avenue soundbite. And he said, don't do unto others what you don't want to do to yourself. And that is the entire Torah. The rest is commentary including the mitzvah of the man and God. And the obvious question is, all the commentaries are troubled. What does that have to do with putting on tefillin or lighting a Shabbat candle? What does what that have to do with the mitzvah of the man and God? To love your fellow Jew like yourself, that that's the, the uh, source for all the mitzvah of the man and man. That makes sense. But what's the connection between that and all the mitzvah of the man and God? Why is this the fundamental mitzvah, the most important mitzvah, the gateway to all the other mitzvot? And the entire Torah is just commentary on this mitzvah. But based on what we just learned today, now it begins to make sense. It will begin to make sense. To be continued.